erotic driven media you know sometimes you don't know what what is this i don't know half of the shows i watch i'm like what the fuck am i watching i don't want to think about it and welcome to anime club after dark the podcast that delves into all things anime manga and otaku culture related i'm your host alex but you can call me senpai and joining me tonight i just have our chivalry of shota shotaro oh honey oh (laughs) so seductive jesus christ it's not seductive it's just gay (laughs) okay (laughs) well uh getting right to our topic for tonight um what we are going to be talking about tonight is uh about a month or so ago at least at the time of recording this uh as many of you may know the united nations uh proposed an initiative which seeks to uh curb child exploitation around the world and part of that initiative deals with banning certain artworks considered uh obscene or offensive that could be interpreted within the anime community to be banning loli and shota artwork so that is what we're going to be talking about tonight and some of this and we're also going to be talking about some stuff some tangential stuff that is related to this sort of crackdown you've seen recently of these social media companies and others trying to crack down on artwork and depictions of seemingly underage characters like this so i think we'll we'll go ahead and get started with the the un proposal so the un proposed this initiative back on february 16th 2019 um i'm just i'm gonna read out the part of the proposal that's actually um that pertains to the actual loli and shota artwork materials um so the proposal reads in part quote Child pornography is defined in Article 2 OPSC as any, quote, any representation of a child engaged in real or simulated explicit sexual activities, regardless of the means used, or any representation of the sexual parts of a child for primarily sexual purposes. The qualification, quote, by whatever means, reflects the broad range of material available in a variety of media online and offline. It includes, inter alia, visual material such as photographs, movies, drawings, and cartoons, audio representations, any digital media representation, live performances, written materials in print or online, and physical objects such as sculptures, toys, or ornaments. So, that's pretty broad, to say the least, wouldn't you say, show? Yes, it is very broad. Um, <laughs> one comment i have on these definitions is that it is possible that when they said in their first sentence any representation of a child that they were specifically talking about real children in which Mm -hmm. case all of these materials they described if real children were involved in the creation of drawings or sculptures or whatever then obviously it should be banned even though the result is like a sculptor or whatever or a um, drawing or whatever yeah 
It says uh, that the children um, in this definition would be engaged in real or simulated sexual activities, but they didn't define what a child is. Specifically, they didn't differentiate between a real child or a fictional child. So it's kind of vague in that sense, and I think it can be misinterpreted to include fictional children that are not based on any real activity or real children, um, such as um, a lot of anime and uh, hentai um, and other... And manga and visual novels. Yeah, and other properties that are related to anime. Um, And I don't know if this was uh, intentional or unintentional uh, vagueness, but it's certainly... I'm certainly seeing if this was passed being applied to anime yeah um i i do before we go any further i do want to point out that um i think you and i show can both agree like the idea that behind this like protecting children from exploitation actual children from exploitation is actually a good thing definitely Um, it is i think you and i also kind of agree that actual child pornography is incredibly disgusting of course and I think that the UN definitely should be taking stances against child exploitation because it is still a very big issue and it is largely um, unprosecuted and unlike uh, managed by the law and it does need a harsh crackdown. Um, so I agree with the UN's intention, but I don't know if the specifics are quite um, fine-tuned enough. Yeah, and and to be to be fair to the people who drafted this initiative, like ninety percent of the text of the initiative, which I have, bless me, I have actually read the entire thing, is actually devoted to like children in the real world, actual child exploitation, actual uh, distribution of child pornography, things of that sort. It's it's a very small percentage of the text that they're designating this for. So maybe it was intentionally vague to allow people to you know, uh, discuss this and, and who who knows, this hasn't been passed yet. This has been thrown out there for people to comment on. Um, and anyone can comment on it. You don't have to be a member of the UN. You don't have to be a diplomat or anyone can send, uh, comments in about it. Um, but I would be very, I'd be very surprised if with the amount of backlash that this has received from the anime community and from a lot of Japanese people in particular, that this isn't changed in some way to make it, if not, uh, less broad than just completely out entirely. Um, I think it's also fair to point out that for the purposes of this discussion, like, <laughs> I hate to call you out, but you and I engage with this kind of material frequently. <laughs> and you, say so. you can only well, speak for yourself. Okay, I will speak for myself. Yes, I am a lolicon. I, I do not hide that fact. Um, and I... This is my biggest issue with this is number one the fact that it's so broad, but number two that it can be that it's it's used to to justify cracking down on the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Um, and I, another quote that I can pull from this um, from the initiative is the uh, explanation that the committee gives for wanting to include this stuff about you know Loli and Shota artwork in it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quote. Uh, the document again. So, quote, the committee is of the view that stim- uh, simulated explicit sexual activities should be interpreted 
interpreted as any material online or offline that depicts or otherwise represents any person appearing to be a child, appearing to be, and that's an important part of the statement, appearing to be a child engaged in real or simulated sexually explicit conduct and realistic and or uh, virtual depictions of a child engaged in sexually explicit conduct. Such depictions contribute to normalizing the sexualization of children and fuels the demand for child sexual abuse material. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state very equivocally, do I think there are people, it, even in the anime community, do I think there are pedophiles in the anime community that use Loli and Shotar work for, to get off? Yes, I do. However, I don't think that the mere existence of this material contributes to people becoming pedophiles i think that's a completely ridiculous stance just sorry to interject um i don't believe that uh, a majority a majority of the anime community or of the shota and lolly community are pedophiles i don't know if you agree or disagree i i didn't mean a majority but i I just say to say that there are none i think would be kind of disingenuous there's got to be at least a handful I guess I w- I just wanted to comment that I think a majority are not and I think yeah you agree I, I, with I think I think I think so I think so too I just think that the, it would be kind of foolish to assume that there are none entirely within the entire fandom. Okay. I think there there's got to be at least some, which is you know I, I can kind of see where they're coming from that there probably might actually be pedophiles out actual pedophiles out there who get off of this kind of stuff, but by and large pedophiles are not searching for are not searching for Loli and Shotar work. They're searching for actual children. Yeah. And uh, okay. that's my biggest, exactly. that's my biggest Why would... beef against their, that's my biggest beef against the committee's um, explanation of why they put this in there. Now I'm trying to think, actually, I don't know. I don't know what would drive, this is so, I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know what a pedophile would do and why they would, uh, what uh consume shota lolly art instead of real child porn you know what i'm not gonna even i don't even want to go into it we're not we're not i'm so confused i don't know i don't i don't want to because basically that 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 question leads to that availability of child pornography and i don't know about the availability of child pornography and honestly i don't want to know so i will just leave that question out there yeah. Oh, and it's also it's also a point of contention for me that I've always believed in the idea of so Loli and Shota artwork is at the behest of artists who create them. I think this is a huge crackdown on actual freedom of expression for artists because this um this particular initiative uh explicitly states that they don't actually have to be underage characters they can they only need to look underage and that's that's a huge distinction if you think about it because think of all of the the characters that you might know of in anime or manga or what have you that they might look underage but they're not and hell anime see in, in in particular sort of values this youthful aesthetic that a lot of these characters have you can have a 30 year old uh anime character who looks like she might be 17 um just curious i didn't catch where you're getting this definition from uh i'm trying to find the exact quote uh 
Well, while you find that quote, I would just like to comment that um, who is judging what looks young? Because honestly, I am leaning to say that it's a very uh, racial thing because, you know, um, to a, a an Asian audience, um, a lot of older Asian people don't necessarily look their age. And so then uh, fictional depictions of Asian people would be like to a western audience they might be young to an asian audience they might be uh, old like who who decides yeah. who looks young and old so subjective and who, slightly oh my, i feel like it's slightly racist youth is? who decides what the definition of youth is that's a good question too um so the the actual quote uh that i that i got that from is from the committee's uh explanation as to why they included the drawings and cartoons clause um uh, should be interpreted as any material online or offline that depicts or otherwise represents any person appearing to be a child engaged in real or simulated sexual sexually explicit conduct. So, like, a good example of this, at least in anime form, is... What does that even mean? I, I don't know. That's a good question. But I, I think... From from the wait, from so what this I is read, wait, so this is like from a like a uh, an official statement. This yeah, the committee not, the, not a the committee that, yeah, it's not from the document, but the committee said this was their reasoning and putting that in there. Okay, so like um, we're, we're picking apart like the exact words that they're using, but like I mm-hmm. I don't know if it's if it's like well everything the UN says is not legally binding. First of all, True. they're just a recommendation, so this can all be taken with a grain of salt, but. We're gonna pick a bit apart, anyways. Um, and yeah. second of all, um, that's just so weird because actual pornography, like live action pornography of adults, like no, like it doesn't matter what you appear, what age you appear to be. The you the pornography studio keeps a record of what age you actually are, and that's the legal yeah. status. Like, who cares what you look like? It's what you are. Like, that's so weird to include that. I'd like, I feel like that's very standard procedure for pornographic material. I don't know why you would say it like that. Yeah, I, and, like, as I was getting to, a good example of this in, in anime form is in the Monogatari series is the character of Shinobu who is a f- who has this appearance when you first see her in the in the anime as like a 6 or 7 year old girl but she's like 500 years old. Oh honey. Such an amazing get, such an amazing trope. I I know. It it is a trope and it's meant to appeal to a specific segment of the audience, mainly lolicons like myself, which it does spectacularly. Um but that's my point like as as some as a writer or as someone who's creating this stuff, you are ultimately the arbiter of what is and isn't right in that particular world. So, in this particular instance, she's like five hundred years old, and like, who cares? I mean, so what? She looks like a child. Like, who cares? Yeah, she's sexualized, but again, fictional. I think the main key is fictional. I don't really care what she appears to be like. It's like the main thing is she's a fictional entity. And she honestly yeah. she has no age because she is not a human. She is a a bunch of lines put together based on no real person. So she yeah. doesn't really have an age. Yeah. Uh, and it's worth pointing out like you said it at the beginning like 
there seems to there seems to be or well i think there should be a different standard between actual real life people and fictional characters because like again like you said at the beginning if you took an if you drew an actual child being in a sexual situation yeah i could see that being a problem but if it's some fictional character that sprang a hole from your brain who cares? Like, there's no one's actually been injured in any of this. There's not, you can't say there's been a crime because there is no victim. I guess. Well, there are victimless crimes, technically. I, but I mean, the point is that, you know, child uh, exploitation laws are in place to protect children, and uh, anime does not inflict harm on children, so you're not protecting anyone. Um, yeah. But, uh, like, the rhetoric that people for these kind of laws use is that um, media like this will uh, encourage pedophiles and normalize pedophilia and um, increase the rates of pedophilia, and um, which I think is bullshit. Um, honestly, if there are pedophiles consuming uh, a lolly or shota... Um, media if you take away the lolly and show it to media i mean the pedophiles are still there they're just going to look for other things they might actually look for real children well maybe um i don't want to i don't want to get into whether it's helpful i don't think there's a definitive study to see where whether uh, lolly or show to art is helpful or harmful to um the actual committing of crimes by pedophiles but should there I'm, be there, yeah there probably should be a study um done because i think so too i um, think but there should I'm, be like a definitive study done that could actually show whether this helps or hurts yeah but i'm like 99 percent sure uh that uh lolly and shota media does not create pedophiles because yeah. To me, that's just that's just silly. Like it doesn't that sort of logic doesn't apply to a lot of different mental conditions and disorders. So why should it apply to pedophilia? And like media is not isn't something that can create problems. It's something that can comment on it and it can reflect society. It's not. It's I think it's a really it's a really fear mongering tactic to say that um media is going to create all these people with all these conditions no it's not going to do that it's just that's just silly and it doesn't apply to any other cases um so this is just that's just that's just like to me it's just so silly it is and uh, so one of the articles that i read about this uh they quoted a bunch of japanese uh, people like on Twitter and stuff that were responding to this and they they mentioned that the general gist that the Japanese audience has uh, received this protocol with is and I think this is actually a good point that's being made uh, is that the UN seems to be trying to give non-existent fictional characters the same human rights as real people and that seems like a really bad precedent to set when you start giving inanimate objects human rights I mean, there is there's already precedent for that, honey. I <laughs> people have married inanimate objects, haven't they? Well, yeah, people have people have attempted to marry inanimate objects, and in some cases, they actually have. Um, but that doesn't mean that the inanimate object themselves is 
technically given human rights. Um, I'm pretty just... sure that there have been cases where inanimate objects are treated as people, but that's beyond the case. I yeah. think that well, my 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 thing is like where where would this potentially end? I mean, you have to take anything to its extreme to find out if it's actually going to be a good general principle. And the thing that I I came up with when I was reading this is would you give the Mona Lisa human rights? Would I'm, you give I'm the sure painting some people, of the Mona Lisa human rights? I'm sure some people would argue yes. I'm sure some people would. I I just can't I can't fathom a good logical argument for making that happen. Like so that you can sue on behalf of the Mona Lisa for like infringement or something. I don't know. Not no, not even infringement. Like say someone say someone admitted that they were sexually aroused and they got off to the Mona Lisa. Does 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 the painting itself now if you if you go by that standard, does the painting now have a right to sue on behalf of itself? Like Really? I'm pretty sure there have been cases around the world where people have sued on behalf of inanimate objects. Yeah, but I think a lot of those cases are around things like vandalism and destruction of property, not around like things like pedophilia. I can't I can't fathom I, I if, if there is, I haven't heard of it. I think it would be ridiculous if there were, but I, I can't I'd never heard of a case coming up in anywhere around the world where someone was suing a pedophile on behalf of a painting. That actually sounds quite hilarious, the way you stated it, that. It, sound, it sounds like the plot of a fucking Ace Attorney case. I swear to God. <clears throat> sounds like a punchline to a cheap joke. It except does. it's real life. Uh, <clears throat> but it's, just, it, it's frustrating to me because I just... It's... You can't treat fiction as if it's real. That that's part of the problem. You, these so many people want to interpret fiction as if it's real. Like fiction can be great. Fiction can be a great way to escape the real world. But at the end of the day, fiction is not the real world, and it doesn't really have any bearing over the real world unless you let it have bearing over your life. And in which case, I would argue you kind of have a problem. Exactly. It's not the problem of the fiction that these people are committing crimes. It's the problem of the people themselves that use the fiction as a scapegoat to be like, oh, this thing triggered me and that's why I committed mass murder. That's why I raped all these people. No, it's not the fiction. Any If the fiction didn't exist, anything else could have triggered you and you would have done the same thing. Like, that's just a really weak reasoning and shouldn't be targeting yeah. the media because that's just a scapegoat. You should be targeting... um the actual people and their mental health conditions and how to pr- improve mental health. Exactly. Like, what if, a, what if a significant preponderance of pedophiles all of a sudden started saying that the color blue triggered them? Are we going to ban the color blue everywhere? No. Because exactly. that would be stupid. Exactly. That's I would a, also that's like a, to point that's out... A, exactly. That's a very strong point. Because, like, that's, that's a very strong point. And that's, I support that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ban the color blue. <laughs> I hate blue. Um, I well, blue I is mask like it. and it oppresses women, and that's when you have to ban it. All right. Well, before you go into your full SJW <laughs> persona, um, I would like to point out that we, we haven't really talked about this, but it also mentions in the um, initiative that was put forth written materials. So this could also include fan fiction or any kind of fiction that. Uh, 
depicts minors that could be even interpreted as in sexual situations. So this is not only just audio and visual um, material that this pertains to. This also pertains to written materials as well. So dumb. I feel it like... Is. Well, like... <sighs> is this... Th- these kind of restrictions feel so medieval to me. Like, very... Very pure, yeah, very puritanical, honestly. Yeah, um, and again, I've read the entire text of this initiative. I think there's a lot of it in there that is actually dedicated to uh, giving different nations guidelines for how to deal with chi- actual child exploitation, actual child pornography, especially the distribution of child pornography, and giving examples of appropriate punishments to incorporate into the, your justice system to... Uh, perhaps curb this idea the, the the distribution of child pornography and child exploitation which I think is a good idea I think by and large it's a good idea I can't really think of any reason to not punish people for doing stuff like that um, and honestly the, the f- punishments that are already in place need to be harsher even in yeah even in like uh, uh, de- highly developed countries I think the punishments are way too lax I definitely think they should increase those punishments to be more appropriate to the crimes yeah and 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 but when when you're going into fi- the territory of fiction i think that's when you've gone officially too far yeah i it just i can't get behind this simply because of this i do hope that when they revise this i believe it's going to be sometime after march 30th 2019 when they start revising this i really just hope they take this whole clause about fictional representation out um instead of just editing it in some clever way they just need to take it out I don't know. I don't know if there's like a market for um, drawn child pornography where the models of the drawings are actual children. Because I feel like that would be like a loophole that they're trying to catch. But I don't think that's an actual thing. But I don't know. And and it, it might be. That might actually be what they're trying to do. But the fact that this can be so broadly interpreted is a problem. I think if if that's the idea, if that's the loophole they're trying to get around or you know close, then they should specifically state like drawings or photographs or cartoons of actual people. Yeah, they should. Uh, yeah, I would if I were to offer a recommendation, I would say they should say any real children involved in any production of media, including and then all of that, and then yeah. that would be fine. But anyway, so if if you've been living under a rock and you haven't heard about this, well, now you have. Um, I will also include links to both the full text of the initiative proposal and uh, a couple of articles that uh, talk about this in the description below if you want to look into it further. Um, but I want to move this over to you because you brought something to my attention that the more I think about it, the more I think this might have actually been a cover for something. Yeah, so on February 12th, which is like five days before this UN proposal went out, I believe. Yeah. Um, there was a whistleblower that revealed, uh, quote unquote, 60,000 people the um, were raped by UN aid workers. And the UN employs 3,300 pedophiles. 
Um, this is a claim by um, United Nations official Andrew McLeod. And he bases this claim on an extrapolation of a report by some person. Hold on. <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of people. A lot of people. Okay, I don't know, remember. I can't find out the name of the person, but uh, it's an extrapolation based on a report of um, uh, by another UN official of um, a certain number of okay, victims I had the, being I had raped. the quote for you from okay, the article. Thank you. <laughs> um, it says the professor's grim sixty thousand figure is based on UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez's admit, uh, admission last year that the UN peacekeepers and civilian staff abused three hundred eleven victims in just one twelve month period over the course of twenty sixteen. Yeah, so that's a pretty huge uh, blow to the UN, and their proposal only comes five days after this uh, whistleblowing, which leads to the possibility um, that the proposal, the UN proposal, might be a cover-up to hide away the fact that they're their organization is involved with child molestation and the people they employ actually commit child molestation. Which honestly, I mean, as much as, you know, this is actually, these figures, these numbers are disgusting and the fact that aid workers are doing this is disgusting. Um, I can some somewhat empathize with this situation because a lot of these workers are volunteers and they don't go through a lot of screenings. Like, you don't know who's joining this organization. There's no qualifications. You're just like, you want to help out? Okay, you come on. Let's volunteer and help people. Like, who knows who is working for yeah. the you UN? You volunteer? Let me send you to this like, backwater part of the world. <laughs> you <laughs> you want to do non-paid work for me? Okay, honey, I'm not going to ask questions, <laughs> honey. You come in. Um, but, like, I mean... So that's the kind of situation the UN is in. And this is what happens is that like a lot of really bad people who don't get background checks are coming in now or have been coming in for a while and committing these horrendous crimes, um, which definitely I'm I don't know where, but somewhere it is recommended that there be more uh, severe, not severe, more rigorous checks and uh requirements for un volunteers which is obviously necessary uh seeing as how many crimes have been committed by these un aid workers um and it's a very it's a very hard it's very hard it's very sad that this is a problem that um someone who volunteers as a un aid worker would do these kind of things um, but I guess it's just a sad reality that there's a lot of bad people out there that want to do this. And it's a sad reality that the UN is going to have to be much more rigorous in its um, in its volunteer process, which, again, that means they're going to have less volunteers and less manpower to help them in their actual um, like humanitarian work, which needs to be done. But at the same time, they can't have these uh, these unchecked volunteer workers doing running around doing all these horrible things so it's really a lose-lose situation and it's just it just sucks all around but 
going back to the main topic that we were talking about that you know the broad terms of the UN's uh, proposal might be a sort of excuse for them to prosecute on um, fictional media, which is super, it's super easy to prosecute on fictional media because it's everywhere. It's super difficult to actually um, prosecute uh, child um, trafficking rings because uh, the children themselves are brainwashed uh, to not want to seek help. And it's hard to prosecute when the victim themselves doesn't want to cooperate with the prosecution. So it's extremely difficult to do that. So they might want, they, I could see this UN uh, proposal as being so vague as to be like, oh, we made this proposal. Oh, we're, we're prosecuting all these fictional media. Oh, we're actually helping the, we, we've actually got results. We prosecuted all this media, but uh, as a distraction from the huge, um, whistleblowing that just happened. So yeah. I could see that as a reason why it's so vague. And the only reason we bring this up really is the fact that it's very convenient timing. <laughs> yeah, five days between. Five days after this, the whistleblower report comes out. And actually, I'm actually amazed that this did not get more play and, and like more spread throughout like the community than the actual proposal itself. Because the proposal is something that isn't even agreed upon yet. It's literally just a proposal. This is something that may have actually happened within the organization. I'm just, I'm surprised that, I'm always surprised at what gets more traction in news cycles than some other things. But I'm just really surprised that this isn't, and, and again, I think it's also worth mentioning that these, this is, I don't think, at least to my knowledge, no one's been, um, actually prosecuted yet because of this but this is just a whistleblower report so this is essentially an allegation at this point but didn't didn't the uh un official admit to the 12 to the uh molestation victims on the 12 month period they did well at least 311 of them yes so partially partially true but uh, yeah. the rest well, is allegation let, let, let me, let's be honest if it's any more than one it's definitely terrible of course, but I mean these numbers are just mind-blowingly disgusting. So. Yeah, and it seems to be getting larger. That I think that's the whole point that it seems to be growing. Yeah, which I mean, it, it's great that this comes forward. It's just it, it and, and you know what they they might. I'm not say, I'm not like a, I'm not conspiracy minded. I'm not saying that this this uh, initiative, the banning of lowly and show to artwork initiative thing, is directly correlated to this. It just the timing is very convenient. It makes me question things. But yeah, um, I'm glad you brought this to my attention because it's it's definitely something that, de- that needs to be out there, even if it's not directly related to an- the anime manga initiative thing. It definitely needs to be known. Yeah. But uh, moving on from that, so tangentially related to all of this, over the last several months, there have been uh, a number of social media platforms on the internet that have also started to react to uh, child exploitation and pedophilia interaction on their platforms. Um, Two of the most, uh, well, two of the most visible, I would say, and most recent uh, have occurred on YouTube and Reddit. Um, 
so I want to talk about the YouTube thing for just a moment because that is sort of the most recent. So very recently, um, it was reported by a YouTuber, Matt Watson, uh, in a video that he uploaded that there is what's being described as a, quote, softcore pedophilia ring on YouTube and that they have been exploiting YouTube's recommendation algorithm to um, discover images that are that have children in them that aren't necessarily sexual in any way whatsoever they just they're videos with children in them um and as you can imagine the immediate response of corporate america who uh invests in youtube was to pull out as fast as they fucking could um and of course then youtube actually ended up responding with a typical knee-jerk reaction of well that's it (laughs) no (laughs) No, no more of this. Um, so, what YouTube did ostensibly was put in a put into place a system in which, because uh, uh, backing up a little bit, the way that this was being, the way that the algorithm was being manipulated was pedophiles were going in and leaving very innocuous looking comments on uh youtube videos for other pedophiles to find it it was it was like coded and stuff like a lot of coded language a lot of seemingly like innocent words being used in really weird ways a lot of farm animals were used in this for some reason um but youtube's response to this was well i guess what we're gonna have to do is start demonetizing videos for any of these types of comments that we find so this has led to a lot of uh, channels getting their videos, or in some time, in some cases, their entire channels demonetized for having n- completely family-friendly content on the platform. It's just that there are uh, images of children completely clothed, not doing anything sexual at all in their videos. Um, a good—I forget the name of the channel now. Um, I should have I should have saved a link to this, but there was there was a channel there's a channel or what oh, I think it's still there. Um, there's a channel on YouTube of a family that does like daily vlogs, and it's just the family um, like cataloging their daily life and all the stuff that they do. It, it, it's incredibly wholesome. It's in, I watched a couple of the videos when I found out about this. Um, it's incredibly wholesome, incredibly family friendly, incredibly family oriented. But they got their entire channel demonetized because there were pedophiles leaving these types of comments on their uh, videos. Because they, they, this family has three very young children. One of them is uh, one of them does happen to be a uh, I think he's five years is a five year old son who's a gymnast, and you get to see him parading around in spandex. So I again I, I kinda I kind of see what they're trying to prevent here, but at the same time I think they're going it's such a knee-jerk reaction that they're not thinking about how this is hurting people who are doing no wrong. So I just want to clarify um the relation to the UN in that both these uh bodies are sort of going too far in their pursuit of trying to prosecute child ex- exploitation. Um, But a major difference here is that the UN wants to, um, the main reason the UN is doing this, uh, I can't think of any other reason, would be to, obviously, is to protect children. Um, That's why they're proposing their, um, their proposal. But, you know, YouTube, obviously, the reason why they're doing it is for money, for their advertisers. Um, Yeah. 
So there's, there's a big difference there. Um, and honestly, my reaction to this YouTube controversy, I don't know what your reaction is. You know, you tell me your reaction first, Alex. What do you think about this? I, I think, okay, so I think that they're actually trying to go, they're, go, they're trying to go up against the right problem, but they're going about it the wrong way. And I don't know what the right way is, but I know this is definitely the wrong way. Oh, I know the um, right way. <laughs> you okay? Well, obviously, to, when you find a pedophile, fucking kill them. That's a good way to start. Um, I do but, not support the death penalty. Um, or was I going with this? Uh, I I think it's it's entirely unfair to, especially on YouTube, which relies on content creators uploading a constant stream of new content to their platform. I think it's wholly unfair to punish content creators for the um, for the actions of the people that watch their videos. I don't think that you, like, for example, let's say you live next door to someone, right, in like a, a subdivision or some kind of suburb somewhere, and it was discovered one day that your next door neighbor was a murderer. Should you then be punished as the next door neighbor just because you tangentially knew this person? No. So why should someone who creates content be responsible for all of the actions of people that view the content? Taking that example even further, it's more like a door-to-door salesman leaves a mag- like a, a, um, a flyer on your door and then you're prosecuted for that flyer and you didn't even do anything like how are you supposed to control who goes up to your yep. door and puts flyers yeah. on your door like what that like that's more appropriate like you did like they were they're the most tangential relationship ever possible that's your relation to this commenter that's your relationship yeah. like this it's just uncontrollable youtube is an open platform anyone can comment on anything how are you supposed to be responsible for whoever finds your videos and comments on your video it's just yeah the only the only prerequisite to leaving comments on YouTube videos is that you have an account which is free and easily obtainable. You can get one in less than two minutes. Yeah, and you know this isn't the first time YouTube has been unfair to its content creators. So at least they're consistent. Yeah, I mean at least in YouTube's case, I can see you know they're a business. They gotta they gotta do what they can to make money, and of course they gotta make as many advertisers as happy as they can, so that advertisers continue to advertise on their platform. I get that, but I think that you should really think out the the reactions that you have to news like this it certainly shouldn't have come within a week or two of the uh this the video that exposed this going up um i think it required way more planning and a way more thought out than it need than than what what happened i'm pretty sure though because of the enormous backlash this is getting from people on the platform that uh they're gonna walk this back i just don't know in what way they're gonna walk it back um, because I, as I said, it's, it's completely unfair to punish a content creator for the actions of people who may or may not have consumed their content. Yeah. And this is, the, uh, this is also not a new thing because people who like in the past, especially in the nineties, people who created video games were being, uh, were being accused of causing actual violence, uh, even further back than that, there are, uh, like writers who were novelists who were uh, try 
who were essentially tried in the court of public opinion for their novels or their works, their, their works of literature causing violence and all kinds of things. So this isn't a new idea. No. This is just the newest <laughs> interpretation of the idea. So I just wanted to um, round off this YouTube uh, discussion by uh, my thoughts on how to deal with this. And my thoughts are that you should just not allow children on the YouTube platform because <laughs> the fucking, first of all, it's not, I don't think YouTube is not, it ostensibly, like it tries to be child friendly, but it's not, it's not. Honestly, if I had a child, YouTube is not a place I would want them to be on because there's some fucked up shit, not just in the comments, also in the videos and the video algorithms. It's just... It's the wild, wild west of the internet is YouTube. And, you know, YouTube tries to uh, control their content, but not it's not working. And I, I do think I do think that what you say, like the wild, wild west, that, that you can ostensibly upload anything as long as, it, you know, it's not pornographic or, you know, excessively violent, like an actual snuff film. Um, I actually think that's a good thing. But I do agree with you that just... Just get children off. Make it an adults-only platform. Exactly. I don't. I do not think that YouTube as a platform is at all compatible. Is at all child-friendly, and I don't think you'd have to make major reforms to the platform to make it child-friendly. And you might as well just make it a, di- a, a. You might as well just make a different platform, which I think they're trying to do. Which I think well, yeah, they, they should do. YouTube Kids. Yeah, they have YouTube Kids, which which. I would not be opposed to the idea of having two different YouTubes, a YouTube for people who are 15 and younger and a YouTube for people who are 15 and older. Yeah. Like, I think it's just stupid to try and make YouTube child friendly because it's not going to work. You're going to have to rework the entire website. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I think that actually might be the best way for them to go in the future. And I, I, and again, I think, is it possible that YouTube kids could eventually have the same thing happen to it? Yeah, probably. But at least then you have it contained. And then if you if if you have it, if you have the website, like, but like, OK, segregated- the thing is that like the I would agree with like heavy, heavy, heavy monitoring and like immediate censorship of comments based on trigger words by the platform itself on YouTube kids, because Yes. The kids don't really care about moderating their comments. That's what the platform should be doing. But like on YouTube adults, like I don't want the adults to be censored by the uh by the company. Like the channels individually can censor their own content. Like there's there's a huge split in in like the adults want their freedom of speech. They want to be able to uh garner their own comment section, create their own community, and they have the right to do so. They and and you know, some, some, I mean, there is a lot of YouTube harassment and that is a huge problem on YouTube, but allegedly adults can, um, deal. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to encourage YouTube harassment because that is, that's quite, that's quite toxic. <laughs> that's a rabbit hole. I but, don't think you want to Okay. Adults are more equipped to deal with harassment than children. Yes. I'll yes. say that. I think, I think, I think the phrase you're looking for is adults have, or they should have, far more agency to deal with this than children should be expected to have. Exactly. So I like, there's a completely like a laissez faire sort of uh, management kind of works for an adult YouTube platform kind of, but it definitely does not work for a children YouTube uh, uh, platform. And it should, 
it should definitely be way, way, way more strict with the type of content that is allowed and the type of comments that are allowed if you were yeah. to make it child friendly, which is why they should definitely, I think they, they, they should definitely split up the different yeah. content. Yeah, they should, I, I, I would actually be in favor of, of segregating YouTube into a children's or kids and adults section. I, I would be all for that. Um, again, they do have YouTube Kids, which is kind of slowly, I guess, taking off. But I think they should probably put more effort into, uh, number one, getting any anyone like under... I, I don't even really know what the cutoff age should be. 16, maybe? 17? I don't know. Right now? Maybe even 18. Right now, for YouTube, it's 13. But obviously, children under the age of 13 are still making accounts. So. Oh, yeah, because it's really easy to fake your age yeah. on a... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because no one fakes their age online. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that definitely needs to be to be looked into, and they should really, they should get this going more so than they've got it, and just get everyone under a certain age. I don't know whether it needs to be 15, 16, 17, even 18, perhaps. Just get them off of the adult YouTube and then put them on YouTube Kids. That's not to say that people, if they, if you want to put family-friendly stuff on adult YouTube, I guess that should be allowed too. We are so off-topic, but we are so off-topic. <laughs> yeah, we I, should. I, just... It's it's a discussion. It's a discussion worth having, I think. Anyway, I want I want to move on to the Reddit thing um, before we uh, start to wrap up here. So, um, full disclosure, I don't really use Reddit. Um, Pretty much the only time I ever go on Reddit is when someone gives me a link to something on Reddit. So uh, I don't have an account there. I've never used it extensively for any kind of purpose other than, like I said, when someone sends me a link. But uh, I did want to bring this up because there was someone in our uh, on our Discord server, Chris, who kind of made us aware of some of the stuff that was going on on Reddit. So just over a year ago now, Reddit changed their terms of service to include a clause about uh, child abuse sexual imagery. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it off right now. Um, and then I'm also going to talk about the really stupid clause in this rule. So the rule on uh, Reddit re- in Reddit terms of service reads, quote, this in- uh, Reddit, quote, Reddit prohibits any sexual or suggestive content involving minors or someone who appears to be a minor. This includes child sexual abuse imagery, child pornography, and any other content, including fantasy content, e.g. stories, quote, lowly anime cartoons that depicts, encourages, or promotes pedophilia, child sexual exploitation, or otherwise sexualizes minors or someone who appears to be a minor. Now, here's here's the really stupid part of this, this, uh, this rule. Depending on the context, this can, in some cases, include depictions of minors that are fully clothed and not engaged in overtly sexual acts. So what I gather from this is, don't include any pictures of minors whatsoever, even if they're fucking drawn. That, that, why? Like, depending on the context, what's the fucking context? How about this is context? It's fucking fictional. Anyway, I, I, I wanted to bring that up specifically because it's such a stupid clause. And this actually got this this clause actually got used. So uh, apparently there is a um, a moderator on, I guess, several uh, subreddits on the website who is known as uh, was it 
holo fan for life uh who actually got banned uh for uploading an image of the main character in the currently airing anime kaguya-sama love is war wearing a bikini like she's she's clothed like there's no like there's no nipple showing there's no nothing like there's no pointy nipples showing no nothing it's like she's wearing a bikini she's wearing a bikini top bikini bottom and she's even wearing like a shawl around her waist um and this this got him like this didn't get him a warning this didn't get him any it got him banned uh from the site and luckily he was able to appeal and he won his appeal but the fact that this was done at all, like, you could go to any public beach in America or any anywhere in the fucking free world and see that any day of the week. And they're saying this this needs to be banned because and simply because the, the character the character being pictured is 17 years old. Like, you can go see 15-year-olds dressed like that at the beach. Are you encouraging this activity, Alex? <laughs> No, I'm just saying that it's so stupid to ban something that you can so easily see in public anywhere. I just, I just, I, I don't get the idea that some people have like behind this. Like, and, and this is this is not obviously not exclusive to Reddit. There are other social media platforms that do this all the time. Um, that just will ban content and then give no specific reason. It's like, well, it may not specifically violate our terms of service. We just don't like it. It's like, okay. I, I that happens all that happens more often than I would like to admit with some stuff that I have posted on especially on our uh, Facebook group for the podcast. I actually got a a three day ban for uh for uh posting an image of someone who was completely fully clothed. I and I, I appealed it and I lost. I don't understand, but whatever. Anyway, so the the point. Oh, go ahead. To me, the main problem here is that, you know, these websites, YouTube, Reddit, and a whole host of um, most other social media platforms that we use are free to use, which means mm-hmm. that the people that run the website have to rely on advertisers, and the advertisers decide what content is allowed on the platform, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's just the structure of social media. And- Can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. Do you think that some of this might actually be um, mitigated if social media websites and platforms became pay to use? That's exactly what I was about to get to. You know, like a few years ago, I wouldn't be willing to fucking pay to use Facebook or something. The fact and nobody would. That's why Facebook got so popular because it was free to use. Everybody could use it accessible. And there were it was it was like not it was pretty unique in the services it provides. But now, nowadays, when there's so many different social media platforms and when so many different platforms are censoring so many different types of content, you know, I am at the point where I, as a consumer, am willing to pay a monthly fee to use a social media uh, platform for like video, text, whatever, images, um, where I can share stuff and i can watch people uh share their stuff and it just not be uh it not be censored or be held to the 
uh, standards of advertisers, uh, I am at the point where I am willing to pay because I know a majority of the population what like a few years ago, maybe five years ago, would not be willing to. But I think that the more the social media platforms censor things, the more people are going to be willing to pay for a social media platform. And if the demand is there, then, you know, there might be a social media, a pay to use social media platform may spring up and it may get big. And you know what? Yeah. I trademark that. So, you know, pay me if you start if you, if you start a social media platform for that. Hashtag trademarked right here. Um, you can pay me a it dividend. Is, it, it is worth mentioning that there are alternative uh, social media platforms that have arisen in the last uh, like two or three years that promote themselves as free speech platforms, namely Gab, Minds, and uh, BitChute. Uh, which are Minds is a Facebook alternative, Gab is a Twitter alternative, and BitChute is a YouTube alternative. They all build themselves as free speech. The only things they really seem to ban outright are obviously you know child pornography and direct incitements to violence. So, which, by, which, which are, in the United States, when in the United States at least, direct incitements to violence, whether digital or in person, are considered a crime. Well, I, well, in Canada too, and I think in most countries they are. Um, most uh, countries in the West, yes. So these websites are pay to use. No, they're not. Oh, wait. Then how do they run? That's a good question, which I should probably look into. Um. But <laughs> and the, the, these these particular websites have come under scrutiny uh, recently, especially from mainstream media outlets. For the claim by mainstream media outlets is that they promote stuff like white nationalism and, and white supremacy, but the fact is that they operate under the principle that the U.S. the United States Supreme Court operates under, in that hate speech is free speech. Yeah, honestly, I think that's a necessary evil if you want a platform that you don't censor, except for yeah, illegal activities. I, I think, and I, I hate, I hate to be in that position where it seems like I'm advocating hate speech because I'm not. I don't. I, first of all, I hate the term hate speech because it's so nebulous and it's very difficult to pin down. I think if you had, you need to start specifying exactly what you mean by hate speech. But I think that. If you really want a platform that isn't going to be censored like this, you kind of have to have that hate speech. You have you have to allow hate speech on there and just let it run its course because I've always I've always lived under this motto that you should let people be hateful in public. You shouldn't try and ban hateful behavior and hateful rhetoric in public because then if you don't, you know who the assholes are publicly and you know who not to interact with. I think well like the Instead of banning it, you can just um, publicly condemn it. I think that's the mm-hmm. most, that's the best you can yeah. do. Um, yeah. And I think the, I'm assuming these platforms haven't taken off. Like they have a, a relatively small user base. They, well, uh, compared to stuff like Twitter and, and, and Facebook, yes. But over the last year or so, all three of these platforms have in, uh, had a big surge in usership. Mostly because people keep getting banned on all these other platforms. And it's where a lot of these people who get banned on like Facebook, Twitter and stuff end up because they don't have any other where any other place to turn. Well, I'm not an economist, but I assume if these platforms ever get uh, to the level of YouTube and Twitter and all these other and Facebook and everything else um, that 
the only way they're going to be able to support their infrastructure monetarily is to, is to mon- is get to monetize money. it. Yeah, to get money from somewhere, and they can't get it from advertisers. Yeah. So, and you know what? If these if these platforms actually do become monetized, I actually wouldn't mind being on these platforms if they could sustain themselves like this because censorship is disgusting. I I don't like. I, d- I don't like people getting censored for things like they for saying things that I personally don't agree with. I would never actually advocate for censorship, but I like you. I think that it's one of those things where you're going to have to stomach the pill of hate speech to get this. And I think that these type of uh, platforms are going to, they're going to grow in popularity the way that the the media landscape is going because every platform is censoring so yeah the demand is to do is watch all you have to do is watch the recent joe rogan podcast where they had jack dorsey from twitter on there and you can see that they just they don't understand why people don't want to be censored what (laughs) oh like okay so for anyone that doesn't like I, I watch Joe Rogan's podcast religiously, but I highly encourage anyone that hasn't seen it to go watch. It's, it's like a three hour long podcast, but trust me, it's it's completely worth your time where he had Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter on there with obviously a lawyer to, you know, throw out a bunch of legalese. Um, it, it's just really it's really fascinating watching them not understand the fact that people don't like being censored. And I want to just mention that the right to free speech doesn't really apply in this context because these are private companies. True. Um, So they they have no legal obligation to let you speak whatever you want. They can censor whatever they want um, because they're private companies. Yeah, Um, it makes sense monetarily not to do it, though. (laughs) Yeah, because if they censor everything, then no one's going to use it. Yeah. Um, so the whole reason I wanted to to bring up the the Reddit uh, controversy is to mention a company called Tencent. Now, if you haven't heard of Tencent, Tencent is a Chinese capital investment firm. They have sunk money into many, many digital platforms like Snapchat, Spotify, uh, you name it. Um, and again, I, I, I stress this is a Chinese owned and run company. Um they uh, Reddit themselves received a massive investment from Tencent uh, at the I believe it's either at the end of 2017 or the beginning of 2018. I don't remember now, but then it, it's amazing that right after this investment is when they changed their terms of service and this became a problem. Um, something else that we haven't talked about yet is that um, on Discord, there was a brouhaha about maybe six or seven months ago that uh, Discord was going to start clamping down on uh uh, Discord servers that may have hosted uh, Loli and Shota artwork. And some of them, I think, actually were shut down. Of course, some of these that were shut down were also were found to have actual child pornography on them. Um, but it's amazing that, that right before Discord started doing that, uh, they received a massive investment from Tencent. Uh, this also, very, something very similar happened with Epic Games, who has the Epic Games Store. Uh, and it's also happened, uh, with, uh, Steam. Steam received a bit of an investment, uh, from Tencent, and they're trying desperately to move into the Chinese gaming market. So, there's a case we made that some of this is happening to have a more broad appeal to the Chinese market, and the Chinese market is obviously run by the Chinese Communist Party. So, I... 
It could all be coincidence. I'm just saying that they all have that thing in common. <clears throat> if you ain't a rich bitch, then we don't care about you. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I do want to. I want to move to to wrap this up. Um, so you you and I have kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I want to I want to bring this up now. So in fiction, there are a lot of depictions of crime and gore and just unbelievably violent things that seem to be tolerated for their artistic merit. Um, but it's, I think a good question to ask is why does this not extend to stuff that could be considered pornographic or at the very least obscene? Yeah. Like I don't really understand a lot of sexualized crime or, okay. A lot of fictional depictions of sexualized crime are, um, banned or heavily, um, monitored by the legal system. Um, but like these exact same depictions of these exact same crimes in other non-sexual um, scenarios are perfectly fine, and everybody like it's it's very uh, commonly accepted in in Canada and the U.S. and a lot of other Western countries to see um, horrendous crimes be committed on the big screen um, in non-sexual scenarios, um, which I don't I don't really understand why. There, there's such a double standard between pornography and um violence well not just violence but well like pornography and and the standards of pornography and the standards of crime in pornography are so uh strict compared to the standards of crime in non-pornographic media and i guess you could maybe attribute it to um the relative recency of pornography because um you know i think depictions of crime in um in like novels let's say that has been has been done since basically the beginning of time right um certainly since the beginning of the printing press yeah well <laughs> even before that um but like you know actual uh pornography is a relatively uh recent industry so it's it's more the, like oh we don't know this is like this is like something that i would expect would happen in the 80s but it's like oh we don't know about this new strange industry we need to <laughs> restrict it because we don't understand it and it's so it's so oh well, i've never seen it before I, I don't know what to do with it um but like apparently that's still happening or maybe the laws that were established early on are just haven't been changed um to me i feel like these laws are just they don't make rational sense to restrict pornography in a way that is not restricted in non-pornographic material and they just they seem they're inconsistent and they they i don't understand why i I think okay i got i got a couple of, of responses so pornography isn't exactly a new thing it's why distribution is um like there's 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 uh pornographic artwork that we found that dates back to like before ancient Rome. Um, the the but the idea of it being widely available to the masses is something that's only come into effect in the last fifty years or so. Um, but I, I think to your point about like how how it's regarded differently in the law. So the law the law moves at a snail's pace compared to culture. Uh, culture will always move faster than the law can, which is why it seems like this this sort of puritanical looking at the way 
the way porn is looked at almost puritanically really hasn't changed until very, very recently. Um, so I think that's part of it. I forgot where I was going with this. You know, another another uh, reason why pornographic material is so strictly uh, regulated is because uh, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is true, but the perception of the porn industry is that it is very um, uh, not predatory. It's very abusive to its workers. Um, I, or I, I, yeah. I, the perception is that it is very um, abusive to its workers, especially to the women workers. Yeah, um, I think that used to be the case many, many years ago. I think in some cases, in, in some instances, that may still be the case. Um, but and we're kind of way off topic with with Loli and Shodar. But I think this is a good point that um, a lot of porn that you see widely distributed today is what's known as amateur porn. So the people making it are also the ones that are distributing it. So if there <laughs> if there's bad working conditions, it's because you put it on yourself. I don't know. Okay, amateur porn is a whole other issue. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm more concerned with um, porn produced by studios. Do you uh, to to get this sort of back onto track a little bit? Do you think that's true of studios that produce hentai? That well, there's no like, there's no pe- there's no people involved in sexual acts in hentai. So the work the work that's conditions true. are not. That's true, but there are people making it. Yeah, but like the <laughs> the shitty conditions of the people making it are okay. For, okay, there's a huge difference. Okay, first of all, um, the shitty conditions of the people making hentai are the same shitty conditions of the people making anime. That's <laughs> they're, true. They're all, they're all shitty conditions. <laughs> um, second of all, um, the shitty conditions of the people making hentai is um you know they have poor they have um they're underpaid and they have uh too many hours and they get over exhausted right um compare compare that to the alleged um poor working conditions of sex workers where they might possibly be raped that's basically so there's a huge difference there with hentai and actual sex workers and their working conditions um so it's very, it's hard to compare them. I've just had a thought uh-huh. um, that I can that my, this might be this might be related. Uh, you might have to correct me on this. So, uh, specific talking about a specific anime where uh, I was going to address your point about how pornography is um, accepted by the greater society. Uh, an anime that comes to mind when you said that was uh, Scum's Wish. Which Scum's Wish depicts a sexual, a couple of sexual relationships among underage people, but yet I don't remember. I, I I don't think I remember any like outcry over that. And it's it's a pretty realistically portrayed like scenario with a sexual relationship of underage characters. But I don't remember any outcry over it, of it being pornographic because it was it wasn't pornographic. It. You could tell that the main point of the story was not to arouse the viewer. It was to tell a story. Um, But, I mean, the point I'm saying is that, like, I don't understand why there's this, there's this, there's art in telling a story, but there's not art in um, arousing people. Like, I think, I think they're both equally artful. I don't know why this 
this like nebulous term art is design is is designated to storytelling but not to um eroticism yeah i'm they can both equally be artistic i would definitely agree with that um i think i think a lot of it as, as this seems to be a word that we come back to a lot of it depends on context i mean if if you're if you've got something out there that is meant to arouse but clearly doesn't then maybe it's not artistic i don't know what <laughs> i i my my point my point in saying that is that I think it just depends on the context of each individual work of art, whether it's trying to tell a story or it's trying to arouse. Like you have to you have to judge each one independently. You can't you can't lump everything under art. I don't think. It's like you say, like art, there's some art that's meant to tell a story, and there's some art that's meant to arouse. Doesn't mean they can't both equally be artistic. I guess I would like. Whether it does a good job of what it's trying to do is irrelevant. Like I'm pretty, it's pretty obvious whether a show. Well, actually, you know, I see what you're trying to say because, you know, there's a lot of etchy shows that mm-hmm. you know, allegedly try and tell a story, but they're obviously like don't even put any time or effort into the development of the story. All they care about is. While we're trying to tell a story, let's show show let's show some like. Uh, let's show let's some show nip tits. slips. Let's show some jiggling tits. It's like, I mean, a good example of that is something like, um, high school DXD. <laughs> I don't even know what to classify that as. You know, I, I see your point. Shit. I see your point that like when you try to, uh, differentiate between story driven, uh, uh, media and, erotic driven media you know sometimes you don't know what what is this i don't know half of the shows i watch i'm like what the fuck am i watching i don't want to think about it but (laughs) but you know that's a good point to bring up because you can't really classify a lot of different things can't be uh uh very uh easily classified into one section or the other so what's the point in differentiating them yeah that was my point. Thank you. Well, you you said it very obtusely. I have. A- <laughs> I was doing my best Shinoda impression. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I'm I'm very loath to ask this final question, but I guess I will. So, the idea of child exploitation is a very taboo subject in a lot of cultures and countries. So. I'm going to just ask the question. I think the answer should be obvious, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Why do you think that is? Well, what, why do you think it's obvious? Okay, so my answer is going to be specifically for countries and cultures in the West because it's what I know and it's what I grew up in. And this, is, this might sound controversial, but I think a lot of it has to do with the concept of a Judeo-Christian value set. Okay. I think a lot of people have. I think a lot of people have grown up with whether you end up believing in the actual Judeo-Christian ideologies and religions or not. I think a lot of people have grown up with that, and one of the core tenets of that ideology is that children should be regarded as innocent. Isn't one of the core tenets of that also that you should not murder and steal? Well, yes. But that well, but that's also taboo. I mean, it's not like are you kidding? No, not, I mean, it's, it's not taboo to this to point that people don't talk about it. Murder and theft is glorified on a daily basis by media in by like every form of media uh, that goes on in America. 
uh, the <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say that like okay like a lot of I'm when I put this question on the document I'm not saying that child exploitation I'm saying, okay a lot of um, crimes are horrible okay mm-hmm. but we still talk about them we still have uh, various depictions of them we uh, make fun of them we romanticize them we do we do all different things with different crimes but child exploitation you can't talk about you can't make jokes about you can't um, explore in different avenues you just no 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 don't even say it that's <laughs> but like other crimes you can do whatever you want with it so why yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying that there that that child exploitation and uh, I think to a larger extent child pornography seems to be very hush hush like it's something you don't talk about around friends or family um I maybe it's because we don't want to think that people can be that bad I guess um maybe it's like a forced ignorance thing like you know out of sight out of mind I honestly don't know I don't know why I I'm sure there's a reason that you could come up with, but I, I, I'm not sure why um, some, why, you know, it might be because, you know, it's such a real crime that is not prosecuted at all. Um, well, it is, okay. It is prosecuted. Okay, I say it's not, it, it is, is, it is prosecuted, prosecuted, but not to the extent that it should be. You know, it's a real problem in our society and it's swept under the rug by so many people um, that it's 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 pretty disgusting to think about. So that might be a, one reason why it's so taboo because it is a big problem, but nobody's addressing it. <laughs> Nobody wants and to talk know, about it. And, and you know, I've just I've just thought of something with this the UN proposal thing. Like, if as broad as it is, you could almost read it to say that well, you shouldn't even talk about child exploitation, which I think is the exact opposite of what you want to do if you want to actually get this out here as an actual problem. Like the, the, and I've always believed this. Like people talk about like well, the 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 cure for hate speech is to just just you know censor people and to ban it. And it's like no, the cure to hate speech is more good speech. So it's like. The cure to child exploitation is not to sweep it under the rug, don't talk about it, and then just silently and quietly punish the people who get caught for it. No, it's to bring it out in the open to talk about it and to to not like have a veil over it to where people can't even see it. Exactly. All you're going to do, it's already swept under the rug so much. So banning depictions of it in the media is only going to put it out of the, like you want to put it out of people's mind because you think you're going to encourage pedophiles. Well, what about the people? What about the actual victims? You know, victims might see this and see media portraying uh, child victims and be encouraged to speak out. You know, witnesses of child exploitation might see this media and be encouraged to speak out. You know, it's so out of the public mind and this is not going to help it become more accepted to talk about these subjects that need to be talked about. Yeah, um, I think I think I I couldn't agree with you more about that. Um, I think to wrap this up, I do want to point out that um, uh, well, by the time this goes up, the 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 time will have elapsed. But uh, uh, you can actually petition the UN and put comments on this proposal um there's a link that i can uh again by the time this goes up the the time will have elapsed because it's uh, you have up to march 31st 
Uh, we're recording this on March 14th, and our, our videos go out three weeks later. Um, but uh, for anyone out there who thinks this is a bad idea, which it is, it's too broad, uh, let people know. Because as we said before, stuff that goes on in the UN isn't legally binding and no country is obligated to do this. However, many countries that are part of the UN take these initiatives and these ideas back to their home legislatures and they end up becoming in some way part of the legal structure of those countries. So... Definitely speak out about it because it's def it, it's way too broad and it it needs to be either completely gotten rid of or made way more specific than it already is. Yep. Any final thoughts before I close out? <laughs> Other than me, no, I don't have any final thoughts. Okay. Well, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to what was a slightly more serious topic, uh, which... I thought it actually went really well. Um, we hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a mem member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. And if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. I will also be including links to uh, some articles that detail some of the stuff we talked about tonight down below as well. So check those out if you want to learn more. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, show. Good night. Come on. We'll